Kids, you get to listen to me today. You are so lucky. I'm going to talk today. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Anybody know what that's called? It's a flower? Andrew, what's it called? It's a mosaic. Very good. Now, how many colors do you see in this mosaic? All right, now, Andrew, you've already gone once. You've got to go to somebody else. How many colors do you see here? Excellent. And what are those colors? Let me hear the first one. Orange? Who said orange? Oh, yeah, it looks orange up there. Yeah, it's not really orange. <laughs> it projects orange. <laughs> All right, in your reality, it's orange. All right, we're going to go with orange. We've got orange. What else do we have? White. Yeah, okay, we're going to go with white. All right, what else have we got? What would you say this color is? That's blue? Well, if that's blue, what's that? All right, then we're going to go with... All right, we're going to go with orange. We're going to go with purple. We're going to go with blue. We're going to go with white. All right. It's supposed to be brown, blue, light blue, and lighter blue. That's what it's supposed to be. All right. So how many people would say that the orange is their favorite color? Let's put their hands up. All right. All right. Of the ones that are up there, how many was going with the orange? They think that's their favorite. All right. How many are going with the uh, purple and think that's their favorite? Ooh, more for the purple. How many are going to go with the, uh, what are we calling that, blue and think that's their favorite? All right. And how many are going to go with that color and say that's their favorite? <clears throat> well, I think, uh, I think the, the purple wins. I think, so what we're going to do now is we're going to recreate this mosaic all in purple because the majority won. And that's the most uh, popular color. So we're going to paint this whole mosaic in purple. What happens to the mosaic at that point? It's harder to see. It's a whole lot less interesting. It gets more boring. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about community because we're focusing so much on being a community today. That's the thing about community. In a spiritual community, there are lots of people with lots of different strengths and lots of different capacities. And if you're an adult and you've been working on the Enneagram, you know that every strength has a dark side to it. So no matter what your strength is, you know you're going to have some kind of weakness. You're just going to choose your weakness by on the basis of self-awareness. You're going to come to understand who you are. That means every community is going to have a lot of strengths in it, and every community is just by nature going to have a lot of weaknesses in it. So lots and lots of strengths, lots and lots of weaknesses, that's the way this thing goes. We also have lots of different people with lots of different life experiences, lots of different ways of experiencing the inner voice, lots of different ways of thinking about God, lots of different ways of approaching life, lots of different experiences of love. And I want to give you a few examples of what I mean by talking about four folks in our community that you might know. And each one of them is involved in some way helping our community be healthy and strong. So this is Scott. This is Craig. This is Miss Chris. This is Miss Sarah. All right? You know those folks? Yep, we know those folks. All right, now Scott, where'd Scott go? I saw him a minute ago. Scott is a pretty good businessman. 
And Scott is just hardwired for generosity. I mean, that was just like he came into the earth looking for ways to give things away to people. So consequently, he is helping us think about how we can befriend people in our world that we might not have ever had any contact with. And so people could use a friend. He's helping us figure out how to be their friends. So he's helping us think about the homeless folks that live here in Raleigh. And he's helping us think about befriending and sharing our lives with people in Haiti as well. And so what Scott doing, what Scott likes to do, a lot of people in our community have started working together toward befriending folks. And our community is becoming a whole lot more interesting because we have Scott. So we're going to call him the brown tile because when I did this thing, it was brown. It wasn't orange. <laughs> All right. All right. So this is Sarah. There she is. Now, Sarah is really good at organizing people and organizing jobs. She is not embarrassed at all to tell people what needs to be done. And she'll just stand right there and tell you, do this thing. And not everybody's good at what Sarah is good at. And so she's really good at figuring out what needs to be done and telling us about how to do it. So with Sarah doing what Sarah likes to do, a lot of people are working together in the nursery, and a whole lot of people work together on the nursery and are making friends with folks that they didn't know before. And so our community is more interesting because we have a blue tile. And Craig, he got involved in AA early in his life. I called him yesterday, and he's traveling with his wife on vacation today. But I asked him for permission. He said this would be fine. And so, so now what he does is he quietly goes around to help people who are struggling with substances stay clean and sober. And working behind the scenes, he encourages and he strengthens and he supports. Sometimes he gives people a swift kick in the seat to get them moving. And with Craig doing what Craig likes to do, a lot of people in our community are growing and are healing and stepping back from things that would have been hurting their lives. And our community is much more interesting because we have a light blue tile to work with. And Miss Chris loves, loves, loves kids. And she's been working with kids all of her life, thinking about how they learn, thinking about how they grow. Some of you were kids. Now you're grown up, and you were there when she was helping with that kind of stuff. And so she is every Sunday there teaching kids, helping kids, helping them grow and on the journey. So with Miss Chris doing what Miss Chris likes to do, a lot of young people in our community are growing and are learning and are being set up for deeply spiritual lives. And so our community is much more interesting because we don't just have one color, we also have this lighter blue color that is Miss Chris. Now, if Miss Chris was given the job of helping our community befriend folks in Haiti, if she was given the job of organizing a trip and coordinating a microfinance lending project, and if she was given the job of coordinating well digging and building leaders uh, or helping the leaders there that are building an orphanage, I bet she would not need be nearly as happy doing that as she is doing what she does with the kids. And if we asked Craig to help folks help in the nursery to make sure that they knew what to do, made sure that they were safe with our kids and made sure they know how to change diapers and play blocks, and I bet he would not be nearly as happy as he is when he is helping people stay on track with their recovery. And that's the way community works. It works like a mosaic. Now here's the problem. Unfortunately, a lot of us have got the idea along the way. A lot of people believe that in order to be part of a community, you have to think and act and believe all the same way. And that's a problem because there is 
a great big machine out there trying to make sure you and I buy stuff. And when you and I buy stuff, it's helpful if we all feel like we all should buy stuff. And maybe even if we all should buy the same kind of cars or the same kinds of TVs or those kinds of things. So we've got this instinct that's kind of in our culture that people should all be the same, moving kind of together in lockstep. And when that instinct gets in the church, we get the idea that we should all believe the same stuff, that we should all do the spiritual practices the same way, that we should all pray the same way, serve the same way, and so forth. And that's not the way things are because we are all different. We have different strengths and we have different weaknesses. And that's one of the best parts about being community. Because when you feel pressure that you've got to be like everybody else, you're actually missing some of the important stuff that comes in community. I want to give you an example using me and George. Now, <clears throat> if you're young, you might not have heard about the Enneagram yet, but I bet you will soon. The Enneagram is a way that we understand ourselves. And they have nine types, and I am number eight type, and George is number two type. Now, here's what twos do. Twos love, 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 love to be in relationship with people. And they will drop everything to make time for folks. Twos are really nice people. And they're the warmest and the kindest and the most caring kind of people you will ever want to meet. So when a two like George and an eight like me start working together, we are different. Because I like people. I do. I really do. Trust me. I have great, great affection for the people in our community. But when I get coffee with George, as you can imagine, I don't know the people who were serving coffee to me. And so consequently, I grab my coffee and I sit down and I pull out my computer and I start getting to work on whatever George and I are there to get to work on. George, however, is still at the coffee counter getting to know this person who is serving them coffee. <laughs> and he's up there engaging and being very inviting and caring for this person. And more times than not, he already knows that that person because he's probably already been. I cannot believe how many times I go places with George and George turns around and there's somebody in this place where he and I are going to meet that he knows. And he says hi and he starts having a chat with them and a conversation with them. I think George knows the whole city of Raleigh. <laughs> but while I'm sitting there waiting for George, I start to get nervous. I get nervous because I'm an eight and I'm afraid that George, the two, is going to keep us from getting the things done that I think are important. And as an eight, what's important is getting stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking we need to get stuff done, and George is over there being relational. <laughs> what is that about? So George's greatest strength makes me nervous because it bumps into my greatest strengths. And so it is important to get stuff done. Every eight knows that. <laughs> but it's also important to make time for one another, and every two knows that. So while George is making me nervous, I am making George nervous because he often talks to me about how we need more space for relationship making, kind of like what we're doing today. And he often talks to me about creating more work so that we can create more jobs, so that people can go be with one another and work together side by side with each other because that's a very relational kinds of thing. Now, in my drive to get stuff done, I'm trying to eliminate work because every time I create work, now I've got to get it done. <laughs> so we're going to call me a blue tile and we're going to call George a red tile. 
Now, how much more beautiful things can become if we have all the colors of the tile rather than just one? So George has taught me a lot of stuff. He's taught me about visiting people in the hospital. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm really bad at visiting people in the hospital because it never immediately occurs to me what people need when they're in the hospital. Because I'm kind of in this get-stuff-done um, mode, I think the spiritual journey is a thing that needs to get moved on. Let's get moving forward on the spiritual journey. And here's what I've learned along the way. Suffering and difficulty is one of the best things that we have for helping us move forward on the journey. So when I get together with people in the hospital who are in a great deal of pain, I want to start getting to the topic of let's talk about what this pain is going to do in your life. Let's talk about how we're going to learn from this thing and grow from this thing. So clearly I'm not the best hospital visiting guy. (laughs) And George has helped me with that. He gave me a small tutorial. He said, now when you go to the hospital, here's what you do, Doug. You go in and he said, little things like you'll put them at peace. If you'll just wash your hands, walk in, wash your hands, because that's what the nurses do. So you wash your hands and then you sit and here's how long you spend and here are the things you talk about. And he just kind of told me, here's how you visit in the hospital. And it made so much sense that I thought that would be a better way to visit than people in the hospital. <laughs> Now, I also help George. I help him get systems in place and thought buckets in his head. And when we're planning, creating categories of things that will happen with his job and making sure that we focus on the getting stuff done aspect of him. And when I give him my eight gift, he will often say to me, thank you, Doug, that was really helpful. And when he gives me his two gift, I will often say, thank you, George, that was very helpful. But it doesn't always go that way. It doesn't always go that people say, thank you for giving me that other perspective gift. Because eights make twos nervous, and twos make eights nervous. And because of that, eights usually avoid twos. And twos usually avoid eights. What eights usually go for is people who will make it easy and comfortable for them to be an eight. And what twos will usually go for is people who will make it easy and comfortable for them to be a two. And when that happens, we reduce our nervousness. We really do. And we do reduce our differentness, but we end up getting kind of a boring mosaic. Because when everything is all the same, it's not nearly as interesting as when everything is different. And so, in our relationships and in our friendships, we have this boredom. So at NRCC, we're working really hard to get to know ourselves and get to know one another because it works out that when we are trying hard to get to know ourselves and one another, we're going to find out how to get along with people who are different from us, people who have different Enneagram types, people who have different strengths, and again, every strength is a weakness, so different weaknesses, different life experiences. Some of us grew up poor. And they have one, we have one perspective on life. Some of us grew up rich, and we have a different perspective on life. Some of us grew up Christian. Some of us grew up Jewish. Some of us grew up with one political view. Other people grew up with a different, the opposite political view. Some of us are contemplative by nature, and some of us are action-oriented by na- nature. And the more different tiles we have, the more beautiful our community can become and the more interesting it can become. But even though this is true, we have to be aware of this thing that all human beings do. We get nervous when we are around different. We get nervous when we are different, around different. Different people make us nervous. Different experiences make us nervous. Different politics and different religious experience, different Enneagram types, different kinds of relationships, all these things make us nervous. You know how it goes. 
Democrats make Republicans nervous and vice versa. Gay people make straight people nervous and vice versa. Married people with kids sometimes make single people without kids feel nervous. And it's all about the differences we have among our ethnic groups, among our religious groups, among our economic strata, among our education levels, on and on and on. There's lots and lots of ways to parse out our differentness, and that makes us nervous. But spiritual communities don't just get more interesting when they understand and embrace their differentness. They also get healthier and more beautiful. And there is something about the skill of overcoming our nervousness at one another's differentness that stirs health up inside of us. So I want to encourage you, don't be surprised when somebody different makes you nervous. That's just the way the human brain works. But also, don't settle for staying nervous. Because as we grow, as we overcome these natural, they're actually part of the mammalian part of our brain, the see the threat and be able to stay away from the threat, it's wired into our brain. But as we move into the front part of our brain, the part of our brain that is more mature and more able to imagine and move beyond that, we overcome our nervousness and fear. We become more deeply spiritual and we're able to get to the things that Jesus taught us about loving the outsider, loving the one who is not like us. And when we do that, more and more, we experience things that get more and more beautiful and more and more spiritual, more and more like Jesus, more and more what he had in mind when he taught us about loving our neighbors the same way we love ourselves. So, Spirit of God, I pray that we would savor our differentness and we would grow in our skills and our abilities to get past our nervousness. I pray that you would do that in us and in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.